You are listening to Retrospection Radio Hour. Uh, this is 97.5 WOBN, The Wild Card. We have now jumped into the 1980s, in case you couldn't tell by the music that we've been playing. Uh, we got some Prince in there, Rick James. It was a nice combination to get us ready for what a wonderful start to the 80s. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm Noah. And I'm Nate. And here we are, finally, in one of the... I wouldn't say best decades, but one of the more enticing decades when it comes to It's the decade that's popular right now. That's right. Welcome welcome back to the 1980s. So, we start off the 80s with some very fun stuff. Uh, January 4th, President Jimmy Carter announces the embargo sale on... Sorry, the embargo on the sale of grain and high technology to the Soviet Union... Um, due to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan the year prior. Not only that, uh, the first year of the decade, in January um, area, is when, or I guess really not even just January, just over the course of 1980, uh, there was political drama, cable television, games, Pac-Man, Rubik's Cube, a whole combination of really fun and amazing thing. Um, Rubik's Cube actually debuts in January at the International Toy Fair. What so, year was that? 1980? 1980. Man. I know. It's gonna especially for some of our viewers out there who are uh who have been around in this time period, this is gonna make you feel really old. So I uh Take that, old people. <laughs> Take that, people who aren't 20 like us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I decided I'd look up some fun facts um, to, you know, to uh, go over over the course of the 1980s to help people feel really old. Uh, so the Mariel boat lift from Cuba makes headlines. It was basically a tense moment between Cuba and the United States where Castro agreed to allow thousands of Cubans seeking asylum to leave the island for Miami in September of 1980, um, which forever changed the makeup of Miami uh, as well as how the country views immigration. In 1980, Richard Pryor sets himself on fire. Richard Pryor set himself on fire? Uh Uh-huh. Why did he do that? In uh, what is considered one of the strangest moments of 1980, Richard Pryor doused his body with rum and set himself on fire, running down his neighborhood street in California on June 9th. Uh, he was stopped and given medical attention, which allowed him to survive and continue his career in comedy. Did he? Did he? Did he say why he did that? I don't actually know the reason to that. I should know he did. Give me one second. Cause I I I didn't know that. Uh. Although. You know what I was gonna say? It seemed like something Richard Pryor would do, but I don't think <laughs> that's something anybody would really kind of do. Um, I think it was a suicide attempt. So. I didn't know he did that. I mean, I knew he had, like, problems with, like, drugs and stuff like that, but I didn't know he tried to set himself on fire. Oof. He shocked the world when he poured 151-proof rum on his shirt and set himself ablaze with a cigarette lighter uh, while freebasing cocaine. Um, well, that'll do it. Free, yeah. That, that'll, 
Yeah, him and Sly Stone were doing that back in the day, too. He told his wife to leave uh, so that way she wouldn't get hurt. And when that happened, she immediately called the house and was like, hey, what's happening here, husband? Um, so from there, uh, multiple people tried to put him out. Um and then he ran out of the house and started running down the street. Uh, the fire department arrives with medics, and they put him out and take him to the hospital. Um, he was severely burned uh, on over 50% of his body. Wow, really? Yeah. Uh, but he continued his career by, you know, making jokes and trying to make people laugh. And then he was in Superman 3. <laughs> well, that actually brings up something about the 1980s. Have you heard about the Walkman? Yes. So in Superman, there was an audio device called the Pressman, which played MP3s, um, or at least a, something along that. And inspired by it, they actually named the Walkman based off of the Pressman from Superman. Oh, really? Yep. It used to be called, like, the Soundabout. The right. sound about something that was really it's still kind of catchy, but it's much, much less inspired than uh <laughs> yeah, I think Walkman just it rolls off the tongue better. I think it sounds much better, so are we still in nineteen eighty Oh yeah, we just started February, the opening ceremonies of the nineteen eighty winter Olympics uh they're held on Lake Placid or in Lake Placid, New York um. It's when the U.S. amateur ice hockey players defeated the Soviet Union professional all-star team in the semifinal game. The miracle on ice. That's right. The miracle on ice. And they uh, proceeded to win the gold medal in over Finland. Um, speed skater Eric Haydn uh, also concluded one of the most amazing feats in sports history when he won all five speed skating medals from the sprint at 500 meters to the marathon at 10,000 or to the marathon 10,000 meter event. Uh, so yeah, the, the miracle on ice was pretty huge in February of 1980. Really helped with the PR for the Cold War too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're finally here in the 80s. That means uh, Berlin Wall and all that stuff. We weren't. <clears throat> we weren't fighting on the. On the battlefield, we are fighting on the ice. That's right. Just kind of like a Nazi Germany in the 1940s, too. Like, or sorry, not 40s, 30s. Um, the, the 36 Berlin Olympics. Yeah, where, it is kind of like that. Yeah. The like, same kind of like... That tension was there. The animosity. There could have been a war. I mean, there was a war afterwards. But, uh, like, just a whole bunch of back and forth between everyone. Very much politically driven. Oh, very much politically true. That still goes on in the Olympics today. So not not to that degree, though. But I do remember, like, when was the last Winter Olympics? It was one of the most recent Winter Olympics. It was, like, this thing that was happening where, like, it was, like, oh, North and South Korea are, like, friends. They had, like, North Korea send in, like, a little cheering committee to cheer on the South Korean, like, figure skaters or whatever. And it was, like, supposed to be this big thing, but I don't think anything ever really came of it. No, nothing really came of that. 
it was like a big deal and i was like this is just it's just the olympics man (laughs) (laughs) i don't know for some people it is a big deal yeah it is i just can't follow it there's just too it's like every i i kind of forget that it goes that it's happened that it's like happening and then like people like hey did you see the olympics i'm like Oh, yeah. Oh, it was an Olympics year? Oops. <laughs> like, I think the only Olympics I caught from the summer one, I think I only watched the basketball because it just happened to be on. But it was pretty cool. America, I think, won. America. Yeah, it's always nice when America wins, coming from Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Go team. Woo. Because we just put a bunch of NBA players in there, and then we're just fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's just people who play professionally for years and are tall. So April, uh, Ted Turner creates CNN, which is the first 24-hour cable news network. Uh, you have... Literally the next day, the Americans uh, attempt to rescue American hostages, which we talked about last time, have been held in Iran since November 1979. Uh, good old hostage crises. Um, in Washington State, Mount ha- Mount St. Helens erupts, which kills more than 50 people. Uh, four days later, Pac-Man is released. <laughs> Yeah, Mount St. Helens, and then I, Pac-Man. Yeah, Pac-Man, yeah. That's a that's a left turn. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, April 1st, um, 1980, there's a population boom. Um, it shows that there's been an 11.4% increase since 1970. Uh, and for the first time, the one state had 20 million people living within its borders. Um, which was California with 23.7 million people. Uh, in 18 or 1812, whoops, April 12th, 1980, uh, you've got the United States Olympic Committee responding to the request of President Jimmy Carter, who uh, had voted to withdraw its athletes from pr- participation in the Moscow Summer Olympic Games due to the continued involvement of the Soviet Union in Afghanistan, which is what started off the year with the uh, the Soviet Union's, or sorry, ended the 70s with the Soviet Union invasion of Afghanistan. Um, there was another attempt to rescue people from the uh, embassy in uh, Iran, which fails and gets eight Americans killed and five wounded in Operation Eagle Claw, uh, where a mid-air collision occurs. And you know, well, that's just a silly name. Eh. Eagle Claw. Eagle Claw. They just wanted to think like, what's the most like cool American sounding name for this operation? Eagle Claw. Yeah. It's the most G.I. Joe sounding name I've ever heard. On May 21st, uh, three days after Mount St. Helens, uh, The Empire Strikes Back uh, is premiered in movie theaters. That's a good one. Woo. (laughs) You gotta love The Empire Strikes Back. 
because a bunch of bad stuff happens and then it just ends. Yep, that's it. the The plot is, I mean, that's considered one of the best Star Wars movies. But you know, it is pretty good. There's a lot of stakes in it. Yes, I always watch Empire Strikes Back when I'm hungry. Yeah, steak. You gotta love a good steak. Gotta mm. love some tauntaun steak. Yum. Thought they thought they smell bad. <sighs> on, the, on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Han. <laughs> um. So, October. We're skipping forward a little bit. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies defeat the Kansas City Royals uh, and win the World Series in six games. Good old Phillies. Good old Phillies. President Carter signs legislation establishing the Boston African American National Historic Site, um, which includes the oldest black church in America and other historic sites of the Black Heritage Trail in Boston, Massachusetts. I've never heard of that before. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't... How old is the church? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know. I was just curious. It is formed... Oh? Hmm? 1773. That's pretty, that's It was old. organized by Reverend George Lee, 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 um, L-E-I-L-E, uh, and it predates america because <laughs> america is 1776 that's so. pretty good that's good good church older than america church older than america not by much but this a church older than america seems like a cool church i like to visit that church boston massachusetts boston go. can't say that i've been to boston i haven't been to a lot of the east coast boston's a fun enough place i mean i've been there it's a. Uh, is it as rough as people say it is? Yeah, it's a really angry town. It's just everything about it. Everyone just hates each other, and you don't understand why. It's like you're walking down the street, and the guy starts cursing you out, and you're like, oh, are you talking to me? I, 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 I don't even know what I did. Boston. <laughs> Boston. It's just they're so angry. They're unhappy people. I mean, and the town in and of itself is like one of those eastern coast towns where it's just set up so poorly and so badly that you just have roads based on weird old wagon trails and exactly stuff. and all of these roads just like intersect at random points you're like am i going down the right street or that guy's going like 90 miles per hour over this right turn am i gonna get hit or it's just it's so terrible to drive and the people there are just so angry <laughs> <laughs> good old boston I love that dirty water. Oh, I will say the one good thing about Boston, or the the thing I enjoyed about Boston, is it has a ridiculous amount of history. So it's pretty cool to walk through all of Boston and just go to all these really famous places and look at all these really famous statues. Um, I was on the Constitution. I think that's what's docked in Boston. It's in the Boston Harbor. Does it yeah. smell like tea? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the Constitution. So, yeah, I was right. Um, it was one of the... Basically, what they have to do is once a year, they take it out, and you can buy this like really expensive ticket, and you just party on the boat. Um, 
it's on like the a, ship. Like a really old ship? Yeah, the USS Constitution is one of the most famous ships, uh, or at least famous American ships. Um, it's it's like painted black um, and then it's got like a red stripe and then a white stripe and then it's black again or maybe it's like really really navy blue so the USS Constitution um, is the oldest ship that was commissioned by the United States Navy oh, okay people still serve on it um, and you have to be like really high up or no people uh, to serve on the Constitution. Um, really? Those people are actually trained in rigging for sails and sailing it because it doesn't... I actually, I think they did install a motor to it, an engine to it, just to help it. Ah, uh, that's cheating. Yeah, well, <laughs> it takes forever. Um, <laughs> and the Boston Harbor is only so big that, you know, a ship of the line moving around inside of the Boston Harbor is dangerous does it only just kind of hang out in the boston harbor yeah it doesn't go out into the sea anymore um or at least not from my understanding so it's got a museum there i've been on board the constitution i've gone underground inside the constitution uh once a year when they take it out i believe they also fire the cannons off of it and it's like oh, a that's cool huge july 4th celebration thing um it is Oh. In 1794, Congress created or authorized the construction of the first six warships that comprised the U.S. Navy. Um, each of the six were built at different seaports along the eastern coast. The Constitution was built at Hart's Shipyard in the north end of Boston. I've also been there. Um, it was constructed in 1794 and it was launched in 1797. Uh, oh. She went into war the next year um, with France when there was a bit of conflict between America and France at that point. Uh, she was in stuff off the Barbary Coast dealing with pirates in the Mediterranean. Uh, but the the name um, or the nickname for the Constitution comes from the War of 1812, where the Constitution defeated four British frigates during three separate engagements, which gave her the name Old Ironsides, which is probably what you're more familiar with, or at least our listeners are more familiar with when I've it comes heard, to history. I have heard that name, Old Ironsides. Don't yeah. The reason it got the nickname Old Ironsides was because the cannon fire from enemy ships seemed like it just bounced off, like it, it couldn't penetrate the wooden hole. Um, well, like, you know, a mixture of wooden, wooden and iron. So people were just like, what? <laughs> What's happening? That's uh, a well-built vessel. It was a, it was a very well-built. Well, it is. Um, it's still very old, but they spend a lot of money upkeeping it every year. So it goes to... Ah, never mind. I was going to say I thought it went to Charlestown for repairs. It might, but oh. So yeah, I forgot how we got on that. <laughs> Um, anyways, 
Uh, 83 million viewers tuned in to find out who shot JR on Dallas. Oh, yeah, I know that. My dad used to watch Dallas all the time. Yeah. He's been re-watching it lately. <clears throat> but I remember, uh, I think they brought it back, like, a lot, like, a, like, some years back. My dad was, like, really excited about it because he loved JR and, like, all those. Yeah. Like, he loves Dallas. It's like, you know. It's just, I, I like that. Sh- I haven't watched any of it, but I remember him talking about it. It's like, yeah. It's like, I remember I asked him jokingly while he was watching it. It's like, so who shot JR, man? And he was like, you got to find out. You got to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch it yourself. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fair enough. So, finishing off 1980, Ronald Reagan, uh, the former Republican governor of California, who we talked about in the 70s, beats Jimmy Carter. And independent candidate John B. Anderson, who is also like an independent Republican, in a landslide victory, uh, ousting the incumbent from office. The victory in the Electoral College was 489 to 49, uh, as well as an 8 million vote margin in the popular vote over Carter. And... I mean, if Carter got killed. Carter got killed. <laughs> he got destroyed. If you uh, if you happen to have your Google machine, I highly recommend looking up the political map for 1980 of Ronald Reagan because it's just so blue, or not blue, red, red. <laughs> it's just. I was about to say, wait a minute, Jimmy Carter didn't win. It's so red and there's i think there's three or four blue states everything else is red even things that like always went democrat went republican for ronald reagan they really liked old ronnie reagan man he uh a lot of people still swear by him today and whether or not you like him or dislike him is your opinion but ronald reagan at the time I mean, I, I still find myself going to YouTube and watching Ronald Reagan's speeches of him talking about the USSR and the Soviet Union and it's just like, it's an making evil, jokes. evil empire. Yeah, well, <laughs> his, his jokes that he made about it, I, I don't know. He just, he was a very funny guy. He was an actor. He was a, you know, governor. I he wonder if that's knew why his way of, around people and speaking. I wonder if that's why a lot of people voted for him because he was an actor. Because like, he was like, hey, that's the guy from the movies. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some name recognition in there. But I think it's also just because whenever he was on TV, he just was heartwarming. Like he, he captivated your attention and kept it. He may yeah. not have been the best politician or he may have been, you know, once again, it really depends on your political opinions. I have to look into him more. I don't really have an opinion on Ronald Reagan. Well, so the thing is, Jimmy Carter was, okay, um, like, some people swear by him, and he... I know a lot of people love old Ronnie Reagan. I was going to say, but Jimmy Carter being thrown out of office, or, you know, losing the election to Ronald Reagan, like, Jimmy Carter is very forgotten, and rightfully so, because the person who came after him was Ronald Reagan, of all people. Oh, yeah. Uh, So... That was in November. The next month, our good old friend John Lennon gets shot. 
John Lennon. Yeah, he's assassinated. Um, I was going to mention that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, he's he's killed in front of his New York City apartment. So, rest in peace. By a man who does not deserve to be named, even though I know his name. Don't want to name him because he's a jerk. He deserves to stay in prison where he belongs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are pretty unhappy about that whole John Lennon getting shot thing. Yeah, it was uh, first announced by... Howard Cosell on, I think it was during a football game, but <clears throat> I guess him and, and John, like, they knew each other, and they were kind of friends, so I guess he was just like, I've just been informed that John Lennon has been shot, and blah, blah, blah. My dad, remember, I remember my dad was telling me he remembers that, and he said he was, like, upset about it. He was crying and stuff, and I think, like, the next day or something, he went to this, like, little convenience store and these these two old guys they're like really like old-fashioned old-school dudes and they're just like i don't know why people care about it. just some dumb hippie or whatever <laughs> and he was like he just said well the more vulgar terms that's bull he, like my dad's like that's bull crap man you don't know that <laughs> shut up <laughs> oh. it's like you're wrong i can't imagine that you know it's just like just one minute, you're just kind of sitting watching football, and you find out that one of the Beatles just got gunned down in the street. And you're just like, yeah, of all the people to do the Beatles. And it's funny. I, I think he was the only musician and really just famous person that we've talked about up until this point who's either not overdosed or died in an airplane crash. Just simply. Just murdered. Just murdered. Yeah. Like. It, and they use, you know. A lot of people say, say what you will about him. Yeah, he wasn't the best guy to his wives in the past, but you know, but he was the most out of all the Beatles. He was the most politically active. Like he was like doing like a lot of activist kind of stuff. Like he had, you know, like the big billboards that say "War is over," and then under it in small letters says "If you want it." <laughs> And, like, stuff like that, you know, like, the songs, like, Power to the People and stuff like that. And, like, he was trying to make efforts to do something. So it was kind of bizarre, but he was always doing bizarre stuff. He's John Lennon. I will say, i uh never been a huge fan of John Lennon, but it's still not enough for me to want him to be shot. I, uh, I will say, I just, I hate Imagine so much. And especially what all of the celebrities did over COVID at the beginning, where they're all singing "Imagine." It's just I think I love that song, but I can't listen to it a lot because everybody uses it for everything. Everything, yeah. It's like it's a good yep. song, but just let it stand on its own. We don't need people. It's also another thing I've I've learned recently, which I think is really funny. So like at the at the. Uh, the Olympic opening ceremony, they sang Imagine. And then, like, they're like, yeah, but this isn't the first time they've done it. They did it, like, five times before. So it's just, like, I just imagine a bunch of people sitting in a room. It's like, all right, guys, it's the Olympics this year. What are, what we, are gonna, we singing this time? What are we going to do for the opening ceremony? Um, oh, jeez. Uh, oh, let's – we can sing Imagine – we already did that. We've done it with everybody. We had Stevie Wonder sing it one time, man. Like, come on. We got to think of something. It's like, let's just look. They're every four years. Nobody remember. Just make an Imagine again. <laughs> just like, okay, yeah, all right. We're going to sing Imagine again. Oh, I, uh, 
like, come on, come on now. Of all the songs to play too, like especially from the '60s and '70s, that's all hippie kumbaya stuff. You, you don't have to do Imagine every time. Like you could literally just type in happy hippie music about uniting the world, and you get millions of results. It's funny how many people try to they try to like make the next Imagine like we are the world. Yeah, that's we are I, the world. I like Imagine because it's just. Because I just like John Lennon. I grew up listening to the Beatles and John Lennon and all sorts of stuff. I always loved that song. Always made me kind of, you know, a little tiny kid. Maybe like, mm, that's a sweet song, you know. <laughs> little tiny little me. But Why can't we all just be happy? I mean, sometimes, you know, in a perfect world. I was going to say, I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh. See what happens there. But just like all these other people that just try to, like, they try to make they try to capture that kind of feeling and like you know that's like really like disingenuous like <laughs> we are the world like yeah like cindy lopper and like and uh who is it bruce springsteen that's him yep gosh i just do not like bruce springsteen well and then you've got michael jackson's heal the world make it a better place well, he helped he helped write we are the world too that's the funny part I know, and like it's he just tried like, to do it himself it's just like <laughs> the same melody i mean i thoroughly enjoyed this song but that's because i had a michael jackson phase as a kid and now the music just like hits me but still it's just the same thing of we are the world, heal the world. It's all it's all the same. Everyone's trying to do the same song and it uh it's so generic. I remember there was one time there was a uh, was at school, it was like one of the Black History Month assemblies. And uh toward the end of the song toward the end of it they you had all these people out, you know, like choir or whatever, and they were uh playing this song it's like they were just started out on the piano it's like that's a cool little melody it's very it's a very nice sounding melody what is this song and then i was like this sounds all right and then the chorus came <laughs> and it was we are the world and i'm like come on <laughs> of course it is well we had to sing it in choir at one point i think that's what that was for yeah wasn't it were you in choir? No, but I remember seeing they sang we are the world uh. during one of the black history month assemblies and I was like, oh, oh, it was the choir who sang it. Yeah, it was. It wasn't actually like the people behind the assemblies. It was, I was in that. That just unlocked a very, <laughs> very like forgotten memory of me. Yeah, we uh, we went out on stage and we're like, we're a collection of white people singing We Are the World in a Black History Month assembly, which is... Yeah, that part kind of threw me. I was like, what is what is like, happening here? It, it, was, it felt so awkward because we weren't involved in the ceremony any other way. It was just simply, okay, now walk it's off like we're gonna on do- stage at this point, and you're like... Oh, we're going to do why? our thing, and then you're gonna, we're just going to save this space at the end for you. Yeah. It, like, it, we're, just, just gonna, we're just going to toss you in here. And we didn't have any black people. It was just, we came out as just a bunch of white people, and it was the most awkward thing in the world because we didn't do any of the practicing. We didn't do any of the talking that they had done to get to that point. And we didn't do anything besides walking out, singing a song, and leaving. And we just, 
it was he the just, most awkward thing I've ever so done. He felt so disconnected from the entire exactly. thing. And you could feel the audience was like, we don't want to be here. And now this group of eight people have just, actually it was probably 12 at the time, just walk out on stage, start singing We Are the World in front of all of us. And everyone's like, we'd rather go the back to class than so listen to this. Silly, man. Just oh. everyone in that song just tries really hard to be like the best part of that song. And like, there's there's one video where like I think it's Huey Lewis's part. They're like going over. It's like Michael's Michael Jackson's there because like you know he wrote the song with like Quincy Jones and whoever else. And like he's trying to tell. He's like here, sing it like this, you know. And like and like Huey sings it his own way, and he's trying to be like, well, we, well it's you and me or whatever. <laughs> and like Michael's face is just like. Like his eyes get wide, he just looks frustrated, and he's just like, "I freaking told you not to sing it that way." <laughs> and he's just like, "Ah, oh, it's just that song is just, it's just, it's it's like ho- however long it is, it's just all just posturing. <laughs> it's, it's just all these people in one room just posturing, just trying to be the best part. I think the only one who wasn't really trying to be that was like Bob Dylan." Cause there's like some videos of them like making it behind the scenes and poor Bob's just trying to figure out a good way to sing it. And like the people in like the booth are like, Oh, come on, you got it, Bob. Like, yeah. And like, he's like going over to Steve when it's like, can you like, what's that? How's that melody go again? And like, he's in this crowd of people and they're all going like, yeah, we are the world. And Bob's just kind of sitting there and he's just like, like he doesn't, he just looks like he doesn't feel like he belongs there. So We Are the World came out in 1985, Heal the World came out in 1991, and then Michael Jackson released another We Are the World in 2004. Um, yeah, they did. And then they had like uh, his daughter sing Michael's part like the same way. <laughs> like along with It just... It, I remember in choir, silly we song. were doing the history of the song, and... I, I don't know why it sticks with me to this day and it's really not that interesting, but a lot of the people couldn't make it or they couldn't make it like on time. So they were recording over the course of a day or weeks or whatever it was just over and over again. Um, all these different parts. I don't, I'm pretty sure most of the people weren't even in the same room together when it came to the recording. For some of it, some of it, there's like a lot of them in the room. There's like videos of them making it and like, it's not everybody, but there are a lot of them in the same room at some points. I can't say it's all. I haven't really sat down and watched the actual music video for Ugh. it. I don't want to. I, I don't think I'd be. School, I don't think. I honestly don't think I've even listened to the whole song. I I genuinely it, don't remember if I have. I don't know if I want to. Because like okay. I. I think Prince had the right idea. He was just like, I don't want to sing, but I'll write a song for you. <laughs> I don't know what song. I can't remember what song he wrote. I think it was, I want to say it was either, I think it was a song called For the Tears in Your Eyes or something like that. But he wrote, he did write a song about that whole situation called Hello. He's like, I told him that I, the first line's like, I told him that I didn't want to sing, but I'd gladly write a song instead. And something, something, till a camera tried to get in my bed or whatever. 
Sorry, I got to reading. Um, <laughs> I got to reading uh, Michael Jackson's kids. Um, anyways, <laughs> I got distracted for a second there. Uh, uh, January 20th, 1981, the inauguration of Ronald Reagan as the 40th president of the United States occurs in Washington, D.C., um, it was followed by the release of the 52 Americans still held hostage in Tehran, uh, the Iranian hostage crisis, which lasted 444 days, was negotiated for the return of $8 billion in frozen Iranian assets. And all from making a fake science fiction movie. That's right. Good uh, old Argo. Yes, not to be confused with Fargo. One, it's just one consonant away. President Ronald Reagan withstands an assassination attempt shot in the chest while walking to his limousine in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Reagan's pretty cool. <laughs> I forgot about that, man. The guy was like, he, he did it because he wanted to impress Jodie Foster. <laughs> and now he's, he's out of prison and he's writing love songs. Ooh. Ooh. Dreamy. He's he, John Hinckley. So dreamy. I can't believe they released him, man. I mean, he tried to kill the president. Yeah, but it was Ronald Reagan, you know? But he was still the president. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's still... Like, he, he almost could have been the, the next John Wilkes Booth. Because at least then, you know, like... I mean, sure, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald got arrested, but... No one's really sure if he actually killed Kennedy. But if John Hinckley <laughs> killed Reagan, he would have, like, it's like, yeah, you, there's like a million witnesses on the streets. It's like, yeah, there's no denying that. That wouldn't have gone over well, though. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so, the Space Shuttle Columbia is launched for the first time. In Vatican City, another assassination attempt. Um, an assassin Pope? shoots Pope John Paul II. Didn't kill him, though. That's good. He lived on. He could have been, well, if he died, he would have been replaced by Pope George Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was reading my history, and then I just, as <laughs> as Nate said that, I just slowly looked up at him through the glass. <laughs> oh. I had to, man. I just such low hanging fruit. I sometimes just gotta grab it. <laughs> John Paul George Ringo. Um so Oh no, I just lost my spot. Oh no. Come on. <laughs> oh okay. That's Tax cut fault. legislation proposed by Ronald Reagan uh, which is the largest in history, is passed by both houses of the U.S. Congress, and it reduces, ta it reduced tax by seven hundred and fifty billion dollars over the next five years. So one of the things Reagan gets pounded for nowadays is his uh, trickle down economics. Um, Reaganomics. Reaganomics, um, which is where in twenty sixteen and over the course of the Trump presidency, you heard the phrase trumped up trickled down oh yes um, as a you know i so, remember i remember who coined that one 
<laughs> Remember, I was watching the debate when that happened. I was like, what? I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's like trumped up, trickle, tricycle down or whatever. It, I mean, it was catchy enough for me to remember it. I thought it was funny because I thought it sounded really silly. It Well, yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but it was, it was supposed to, because Reagan's been demonized a lot lately. Um, it was supposed to, you know, demonize him more by calling him back to Reagan, which I think just actually kind of helped him out more than anything by you know, calling him back to Reagan and saying, hey, just like Reagan. And then the Republicans were like, oh, oh hey, just like Reagan. Just like Reagan. Yeah. Look, he's using the same, <laughs> hey, hey, man, he's using the same political slogan, make America great again. I remember that. I remember that's, that. Yeah, that's, I was around 40 years ago. That's cool, man. I'm going to think <laughs> I might vote for him. So um, Reagan gets pounded for this, but really it was happening. It started with the Democrats, and then every president in office from that point on. Um, allow me to explain. So Reagan gets pounded for his trickle-down economics, where he basically cut taxes for businesses um, and rich people, and you know the rich are paying less and the people are paying more. And that is very true, and he was a very bad offender of it. Uh, but... It was since, I believe, maybe well, Eisenhower is a Republican. Whoever came before Eisenhower, um, don't quote me on that, but it's 30s, 40s time where the presidents from that point on are slowly, slowly passing tax legislation that allows uh, the richer you are to get away with paying less taxes. So Reagan was very famous for doing this, but, I mean, every politician was doing it because they're rich of course they're going to pass legislation that helps them instead of the american people yeah so reagan gets pounded for this but a lot of politicians up until that point had been doing it on both sides and hurting the american people um the inner libertarian in me coming out saying grr bad politicians but there you go tax cuts uh the ibm IBM intru introduces the IBM PC personal computer, the IBM 5150, and it was designed by 12 engineers and uh, designers under Don Estridge, the IBM Entry Systems Division, which sold for $1,565 in 1981. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor becomes the first female justice on the Supreme Court. On August 19th, Britain's, and this is going to make people feel really old if they're from the 80s or were alive back then, Britain's Prince Charles weds Diana Spencer in a royal wedding televised live. Which one was Prince Charles? Oh, he was one of the British people. I don't care about the British royalty. The fact that the oh, Queen's yeah. still alive is, like, I just, ridiculous. I know the Queen, and I know... Oh, God. I know the old guy that died recently. The really old dude. Oh, you know that guy? The old guy that died? <laughs> the the really, the, the one who looked like a corpse. Like, I mean, they all look like corpses to me. What's his name? Prince? I'm pro I don't know. He died this year. That's all I know. But, uh, I, I don't know where their money's coming from or why they're still just kind of there. 
I mean, they're just figureheads. That's it. And they're for tourism. Yeah. Um, Where do so, they get their money from, though? Tourists. <laughs> Taxes. <laughs> um, I mean, they still get paid very hefty amount despite being pretty much useless to Britain land. I wish I could just be rich from doing absolutely nothing. Honestly, if everyone could be rich from doing absolutely nothing, the entire world would be destroyed. But yeah. also, people who are rich from <laughs> simply doing nothing do not deserve it. Uh, speaking of, um, I believe, if I remember correctly, there's a conspiracy theory uh, because Princess Diana... That they're all inbred? Well, <laughs> the uh, that's that's not too difficult for the Brits and the Germans and the French, but uh, especially the Brits. Um, but Princess Diana uh, was an activist, um, and she was the heir apparent to the British throne. Um, she was the mother of Prince William and Prince Harry, and she became an international icon. She was very famous. Um, and then she died um, <laughs> in 1997. So if I remember correctly, I saw a meme of, uh, oh no, what was it? Like, I can't remember how this goes. I, I'm going to, I'm not going to embarrass myself on air. I'm going to remember. Video killed the radio star. Um, I don't know why I forgot what that was called. But it was a picture of Princess Diana and the Queen. And the Queen is giving a side eye, like an annoyed glance at Princess Diana, who's smiling and having a good time. And it's got video over the Queen and radio star over Diana. You know, <laughs> implying the Queen <laughs> killed Princess Diana. Um, which is, I believe, the conspiracy theory. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, well, with her being kind of, you know... Wasn't she, like, from, she was from, like, Wales or something, right? Yep. Or, or from, like, Ireland? Princess of Wales. Princess of Wales, heir apparent. Um, yeah, the thought is that she was assassinated. They killed her because queen... she was, like, not really related to them or something? Uh, that might have been it. I don't know the conspiracy well enough. Um, but from my understanding, either she's not related or her activism was too strong. That um, and they were just like, scandalous. oh, she's a commoner. She's not royalty. Yeah. That's, uh, just, that's just just some elitist rhetoric. I mean, and it's funny to me because the British family, the royal family is completely useless to the world anyways. So yeah. like assassinating each other to decide who becomes the queen or the king is stupid because it means nothing besides money i remember i was talking to my mom about it i was like i don't know how it came up but we were talking about the royal family and i was like i don't know who any of them are i was like she's like oh so don't she, do anything she's because she was like oh that person looks like prince something and i was like who is that like i don't know who that is it's like you don't know who that is i was like no i don't i know who the queen is because i think the queen is cool because she went to uh Saudi Arabia, because, like, she doesn't have a driver's license, because, like, they're all issued by the queen, so she technically can't issue herself a driver's license. <laughs> and, uh, she was, but anyway, she was in Saudi Arabia, and she was hanging out with the Saudi king or president or whoever the leader is, and women are not allowed to drive there. Like, it's just, like, it's like women cannot drive. 
but she was driving the Saudi king or like president or king around and he was like really mad about it. But like the queen was just like, I don't care. I'm the queen of England. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? Kill me? No. So I was, yeah. Um, so inbred, the first result when I typed a, why is the royal family? The first thing I saw was why is the royal family so ugly? Um, which is not what I was looking for, but, uh, that's cause they're inbred. Well, <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. Uh, what I was really looking for, why is the royal family important? And do they like do like anything involving the governmental operations of the United Kingdom? Yes. So they can appoint and dismiss ministers. Uh, they can regulate civil service, issue passports, declare war, make peace, direct the actions of the military, and negotiate and ratify treaties, alliances, international agreements. That is, like way, too really, much, that is way too much power for them. Well, it's like it's a really crappy president. Like yeah. that, that's, that's the way I look at it is, cool, you can issue st- stuff. The only thing that's important there is the ability to declare war and issue peace and... You know? Yeah, that seems like a very prime minister's job. But other than that, and of course, this is checks and balances, so the queen can appoint or dismiss ministers uh, as she sees fit. But also, you know, but to be fair, parliament can probably screw over the royal family in some way, somehow, if they decide. I, yeah, I feel to. like parliament does most of the work there. I think they're just. Oh, they do, yeah. Cause I, I, yeah, because I don't think the uh, the royal family's really. I feel like the parliament's just like, yeah, you know, you're the queen, but we're just gonna do our jobs, and you can just go away to your little mansions. So, um, the royal disease known as hemophilia, um, which is basically a disease that causes blood to not clot properly, uh, which leads to excessive bleeding. Um, and they after all have that? injury and damage. Well, that was very present because of inbreeding uh, in Germany, Russia, Spain, England, um, especially during the 19th and 20th centuries. So the uh, 1900s or the 1800s and the 1900s. Um, but, or sorry, Queen Victoria is uh, thought to have had it. Um, 1837 to 1901 was when she ruled. Um, But as of right now, there are no living members of the royal family who have symptoms of it or are believed to carry the gene for it right now. But it's been rampant in their family anyway, so. Oh, yeah. Ugh, oh, the man. Brits. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about them. Boy, Parliament, Britain, Queen. The only Parliament. King. The only Parliament I know is the one that's Parliament Funkadelic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's the only one I know. Um, let's see here. April second, nineteen eighty-two. Uh, Argentina invades the Falkland Islands. Oh, I I was about to say I remember that. I don't remember that, but that didn't go over very well. I was there for that. June 11th, the movie E.T. is released. Um, 
Oh, uh, sorry. There was one thing I forgot to say. 1981, Bob Marley dies of skin cancer. And his last words to his son before he died were, money can't buy life. I think those are very powerful words. Very powerful words. He, uh... He's got he's got a lot of good, powerful words. He was a pretty. He just wanted to help out all of the people. Look he was at a man, all the people. <laughs> he, was, he was a man of the people. Bob Marley was. Till like, he died. Yeah, he had like a big house, and he would just let all the people just come in and out and just hang out there, like around. Smoke some weed. Have a good day. Play soccer. Play soccer. <laughs> and um, although there was one time some people came into his house and like sh- tried to kill him, tried to shoot him, and it was like for this uh, it was some sort of concert. It was like Smile Jamaica or something like that. It was the, I don't know. It, it it was something. The name of it was something along those lines, and I forget what exactly it was for. But there was a lot of political kind of turmoil around it, and like basically he got shot. And he survived, and he like goes out on stage, like, and they're telling him like, you don't want to do this because you're probably gonna go out on stage and you're gonna get shot. And he's like, <laughs> I don't care, I'm doing this, and he does it, and he doesn't die. A lot of failed assassination attempts in the 1980s. Oh yeah, well there was a, uh, what's his name, Peter Tosh. He was in the Whalers with Bob Marley, and he like, and um. You know he's got some song. He's got some pretty good songs with the Whalers. Like he's got, he helped write "Get Up, Stand Up." He co-wrote. Uh, oh, I don't know. But he's got his own stuff. He's got one song called "Legalize It," which is about, you know, marijuana, <laughs> marijuanas. And uh, but he got like gunned down in his own house, man. Like a whole bunch of people ran into his house and just shot him up. I'm like, I didn't know that's how he died. I didn't know he died until I find that out. Until I found that out, and I was like, holy, like, what is going on in Jamaica, man? Where just all these people, these musicians, are just having people just run into their house and just shoot them up. Some people just want to watch the world burn. I guess so, man. Like <laughs> Jesus. So January seventh, uh, Commodore sixty four personal computer is unveiled at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Which becomes the highest-selling single-computer model of all time. Um, the World's Fair begins in Knoxville, Tennessee on May 1st. You know, I saw that little... I've been there. I've seen the little globey thing that yeah. they still have there. And I was like, what's that? It's like, that's from the World's Fair. I was like, 40 it, years ago. <laughs> does it do anything? No, it just kind of sits there. All right, okay. <laughs> So uh, two months after the Falklands War, Argentina surrenders. <laughs> um, good job, Argentina. Uh, so editor Al Newharth uh, publishes the first edition of the nationwide newspaper, USA Today. USA Today? Yeah, that's right. Uh, architect Maya Lin's Vietnam War Memorial is established in Washington, D.C. as a national memorial. That's a very cool memorial. It's a very cool memorial. It's pretty cool. I like all the other stuff too. All those, the 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 Vietnam and the Korean War memorials are probably like in terms of memorials, my favorite memorials, at uh, in D.C. 
because they're just like it's really quiet there yeah exactly it's very quiet and it's very somber and you kind of feel the power just like a lot of grass around like it's not really anything too busy i mean there's a lot of people there but it's just it's very it's I don't want to say it's relaxing because it's supposed to commemorate a bunch of people that were killed. Yeah. But it's kind of like, it's kind of a good thing, you know? You're just like, you're just, it's very, it's it's a very, it causes a very reflective kind of mood. Just like, wow, man, like this, this is, like, it's really heavy. It's got a historical heaviness to it. But I, I kind of like the Korean War one because they have like the little, like, ref, little pools it's got the big signs as freedom is not free in the yeah. trees. The others are very cool memorials. I'm glad they did that. And then there's the... And a lot of the other ones there are just very big and showy. Like the World War Two one. Yeah. The, uh, the World War Two one is like very extravagant looking. I like it a lot. I think it I looks do, cool. I do like it, but it's just like... It's kind of just like whoa <laughs> just like, wow that's there it's like there's just a lot going on there but i kind of like and then there's like the korean one where there's the little like statues of the people that kind of look like they're trudging into the in the jungle you know what i'm talking about i don't think so i don't know i remember that and there's like the wall that has like it's like a black marble wall or something and it has like people's faces like soldiers faces on it oh yeah yeah and like you can like see your reflection in it yeah i uh i've been to that one yeah that one's cool but who is wasn't was the vietnam one was that designed by like a like a high schooler or like a or something like that i don't remember because i remember we were talking about it in school and it was like yeah it was like this really cool memorial, but it was designed by like a really young person. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm glad that they that they went along with that. Seems like she was very young, huh? Judging by your reaction to that. Uh, no, I, uh, wow. What? Um, I was just looking at my, <laughs> my history. Um, you know, my, my couple websites I go through here <laughs> and uh, Calvin Klein. <laughs> the first you, you got a Calvin Klein ad. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. So Calvin Klein's first underwear ad, which features Tom Hintness, Hintnaus, I don't know how to say his name, um, stops traffic in Times Square. <laughs> so I looked at the ad and Did, wow, that was your reaction. Yeah, like if I. <laughs> If I saw that while driving in the middle of Times Square or just moving, I would I would completely just stop and go. I gotta see this myself. I'm gonna look. Wow. What would you say it was like the first Calvin Klein ad? Uh, it was the first ad featuring Tom Hittnouse. Can you spell that? T O M H I N T N A U S. I gotta see this. Yeah. Um, whew. it's like you've got that power shot. <laughs> Wait a minute. The underwear looks. Is it this one? Oh yeah. Oh my god. It's a strong power <laughs> shot. You can see all of his muscles. The underwear looks comfortable. There's not even anything happening. It's just a half-naked man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, of course that's gonna stop traffic. In 1982, that's just 
there. Oh my god, man. <laughs> I, mean, I would I think I'd probably stop too. <laughs> Be like, what the heck is that? Oh my that was in Times Square? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Fourteen year old skateboarder uh i was about to say Joni tony hawk joins the bones brigade and turns professional in 1982 um november 30th 24 year old oh wow he's only two years older than me um 24 year old pop star michael jackson releases his best-selling album thriller which is a really amazing album thriller is a good one uh, Not the song itself, but every other song on there is really good, I was going to say, it's like, Thriller's that one that you hear so much. I like Dangerous also, but Thriller's, you just you hear it I'd so like, much. The best Michael Jackson albums are probably Off the Wall and Thriller. Those are my favorites. Oh, I did like Off the Wall. Off the Wall is really, I'd say out of the three that are produced, I mean, his three best albums, in my opinion, are the ones that are produced by Quincy Jones. Because Quincy Jones is just a really good producer. But, yeah, Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad are probably... Oh, yeah. Those are pretty solid albums. I always forget that Bad... Oh, yeah, I like Bad a lot. I I always forget Bad was not on Thriller. Um, Because you got Wanna Be Starting Something, uh, The Girl Is Mine... Beat it, human That's nature. That's a good one. The one with Paul McCartney. Yeah, the girl is mine. Yeah, I like say 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 a little more than that one. I like say 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 a lot better. Yeah, that one, cause like, I kind of like the I kind of like the idea of the girl is mine because they're like, no, she's fine. She told me she loves me. It's like, oh yeah. Well, she told me that she loved me more. It's like, no, that's <laughs> impossible because she told me she loved me the most. And they're just like they're both. They're just arguing it. back and forth. <laughs> they're on just it. arguing, even though she's playing both of them. They're just like, okay, you know, I, we'll let till we meet again. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't over, Michael. And this isn't over, Paul. Then uh, you've got PYT, pretty young thing. Th- that's a good one. Too. I like that one. It just, I think I like bad better. Um, as a because the way you make me feel. Well, so you've got bad. And that's the first track on Bad. The Way You Make Me Feel, Speed Demon, li- uh, Libra... Dirty Diana. Librarian Girl. I always thought it was Librarian Girl as a kid. Uh, well, so, Just Good Friends, Another Part of Me, Man in the Mirror, I Just Can't Stop Loving You, Dirty Diana, I like that one a lot, Smooth Criminal. Yeah. I mean, I like every single one of those songs more than I like the Bad album. Because Bad... The good stuff on there is Want to Be Starting Something, The Girl Is Mine, Beat It, uh, PYT, Billie Jean, Thriller. Baby Be Mine is fine. Human Nature is fine. Lady in My Life is fine. You know, I never really could get into Michael Jackson's, like, slower songs. Exactly. But you know who has now the slow songs? I'll tell you who has the slow songs on lock. And I will say this to the day I die. Prince makes the greatest slow jams of all time. You know, it's a sin for me to say this. I didn't like Prince either. I always... John Lennon, Prince. Prince is legendary. (laughs) Like, not everything he makes is the best, 
because I've listened to almost all of his albums, and I know which ones are like, and some of them, some of them are really good, some of them are not so good, but there's still things worth listening to on them. But in 1982 was when Prince broke out, because before that, he his first album he made when he was 19, and nobody knew who he was, and Warner Brothers took a chance on him. I think they gave him like $100,000 or something like that or some ridiculous like amount of money to make an album. And that one's really good. And then he didn't have any money left, so he made another album with like whatever little money he had left, and that one was also really good. And then he made Dirty Mind, which is just like the raunchiest 30 minutes you'll ever hear. <laughs> <laughs> and and he does it kind of again with controversy. And then in 1982, he finally breaks out into the mainstream with 1999, this big epic double album that has all these great songs, you know, the title track, party like, you know, we're going to party like it's 1999. You got Little Red Corvette. You've got uh, Lady Cab Driver, DMSR. Well, then you've got... International Lover. Purple Rain two years later, and the most famous thing Prince has ever done, Batman 1989. That's one of, that is one of his really, that album's actually like genuinely like a really good album. <laughs> There's, they're like, it it really is good. <laughs> like, and some of the songs he just kind of had lying around and he reworked them to fit with the movie. But like, it's just so solid. There's so many good songs on it. See, when I think of Batman 1989 and music, I think of Danny Elfman. I don't think of Prince. Well, I do think of Danny Elfman, but I just, I, I, it makes me like that movie more. Cause like that, I think 89 Batman's probably my favorite Batman movie. I like Jack Nicholson Joker a lot. I do too. Everyone talks about Heath Ledger, but he's just an edgelord and he's pretty good, <laughs> but he's just too edgy. And the Joker's a clown. He's not. He's not a revolutionary, okay? This man is not Che Guevara. He is a clown. The clown prince of crime. So I think every Joker, except for, you know, Jared Leto, of course, um, every Joker we've seen depicted in live action, which I guess is three Jokers, are very perfect for the Batman that they go against. Yeah. Because you have Cesar Romero. That was his name, right? Yeah, the one from the 66 yeah. Batman. And yeah. he was just like, he was just a complete clown. And, you know, they couldn't hide his mustache. Um, <laughs> well, because he didn't want to shave it. Um, he was just like, I'm not, it's like, I will play the Joker, but I'm straight up just not shaving my mustache. You're just going to have to paint over it, jerk. <laughs> and they did. And they, they sure did. Uh, but Cesar Romero is very joke-heavy Joker. And just silly and cartoon and slapstick, yeah. which fit perfectly with the Batman that he went against, who was silly and slapstick and jokey. And then you have Jack Nicholson. Who's like silly, slapstick, and jokey, but he just he he'll just murder people. Yeah, dark and serious. Like he's he is dark and serious joker, but silly slapstick, haha but funny. Yeah, but still funny. And it fits perfectly with the Batman he goes up against, who's very like one note, very um, deadpan. Uh, when I when I think of his Batman, I don't think of anything. He's just Batman. He's just Batman. Yeah, I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, but then you have Christian Bale Batman, and, and he's, he's like, 
Where are they? <laughs> Where are the drugs going? Uh, <laughs> I've got a really bad cold right now. Well, so with him, the reason his Batman is extraordinarily dark. And for his series, Heath Ledger was the perfect Joker to match that Batman. Yeah. Because he was also extraordinarily dark. I will say one thing. Dark. Christian Bale was, might have been a kind of decent Batman, despite the silly voice. He wasn't a very good Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I didn't like him as Bruce Wayne. But Michael Keaton, he was a good Batman, but he was also a really good Bruce Wayne. Because I agree with when that. he was Bruce Wayne, you wanted, he was like, that's cool that's Bruce Wayne and you know that he's also Batman and he's just like confident and he's just like yeah I'm Bruce Wayne and you don't know that I'm Batman but I do so that makes me even more confident but whereas with Christian Bale Bruce Wayne I don't remember anything well yeah he wasn't a good Bruce Wayne because like Michael Keaton's the one he's like you want to get nuts and he pulls out like the fire poker or so, whatever it is and he's like let's get nuts <laughs> he's like he's just going crazy and he's got like the freaking tray under him like he's he's still he's smart like, you know yeah he felt batman i i don't disagree with that um when like, i think of christian when you Bale, watch batman, him he's like he's, he's just been memed he's yeah i mean like i mean he just he looks just like some guy you know what i mean but whereas like you see michael keaton and like you see his like kind of performance and just like his demeanor and he's like that's it's like you can almost think it's like that really is Batman. Like I could see a guy look like that be Batman. But Christian Bale, when he's Bruce Wayne, you're just waiting for him to be Batman. And I think that's one of the reasons why Heath Ledger Joker works so well is because He steals the entire show from Batman. Well, not even just the fact that he steals the entire show, but the fact that that Batman, that Bruce Wayne is so mediocre and kind of unassuming that when Heath Ledger Joker comes in, he commands attention away from Batman, and you're more interested in the villain at that point than the hero, which fits really well for that series because the trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, is all about the villains more than it is about Batman, and people can come at me if they want, but I mean, that series is the heavy emphasis on Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow I mean, they're they're more important than Bruce Wayne actually was, and Batman even, actually was. I don't even remember a lot of Batman Begins. I well, used to because I'd watch it when I was little, and I hated it. I was like, "It's so boring." It is. It's like the only interesting part is, I guess there's three interesting parts that I really liked. Was uh, the first one was when he was fighting with Ra's al Ghul in the winter, and they were training. Um, I was like, this is a really cool scene. Just two sweaty men with their shirts off hitting each other with sticks and swords and fighting each other. Like, this, it felt really strong it's and powerful. man stuff. Man stuff, yeah, power, woo. Well, I, I like that a lot. And then we get to uh, the end of the movie where Liam Neeson's on the train and they're fighting on the train. And that sticks with me. And then the scarecrow scene where he's released the toxin into Gotham and everything is just like really disorienting and crazy feeling. Yeah, I remember this like the camera like cinematography whenever the gas happens, it's exactly. like all shaky. Like I remember that. I remember Scarecrow's mask because I thought it was kind of creepy, but and I kind of remember the part where he falls down the hole and becomes yeah becomes, becomes Batman. Batman. Yeah. But other than that, I just, I don't know. Like, I never really, like, bothered to rewatch it. 
Because, like, I was just, like, a dumb little kid. I was like, this movie's stupid. It's boring. I saw but it then a I, lot. I but... saw Dark Knight when it came out, and I was like, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that and that has been my least favorite interpretation of Batman probably ever. Although I will say I always forget Adam West and that he exists, so that's probably my least favorite interpretation. Adam West is a pretty good Batman, too, because he's just like... He's good for what he is or what he's in, but I am a DC Comics fanatic, and the whole... I I take Batman very seriously, and Batman takes Batman very seriously, so I just forget Adam West exists because his Batman isn't Batman. Like, you could replace him with anyone else. Though, to be fair... I like like the aesthetic of that Batman in the show. I like the bright colors. I'm just a sucker for bright colors. When you look at World's Greatest and the 1940s Batman, I mean, you could take Batman out, replace him with Superman, and he be the same character they did not have a change in character or personality whatsoever they were all the same yeah which is batman actually killed people in the early comics well in the 20s yeah that's <laughs> what that's i feel like that's something that a lot of people forget it's like batman doesn't kill people it's like he used to kill people all the time and he used guns <laughs> yeah he did use guns he was more of he was more of an anti-hero antagonist than he was um hero i think that's more suited for batman because even like even in the uh, the Michael Keaton one, he kills people in that one too. He smashes that guy's head into the bell and throws yeah. him down the bell tower. And then like even in but in Batman Returns, he's just he doesn't care. He's just lighting people on fire, throwing them, blowing them up, putting them on trains. I'm not gonna kill you, but if you can't escape the train on time, you're gonna die anyways. <laughs> and I'm going to lock you to the train so that way you can't actually move. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Why are you dressed up like Batman? <laughs> <laughs> because he is Batman, you moron. Oh, oh. the Christopher Walken. That's a, a like who would who thinks to say that? It's like Bruce Wayne. He's he's in the sewer in the Penguin's little hideout, and he's like, "Why are you dressed up like Batman here in the bad guy's lair?" <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I'm just hanging out. Yo, you know, Max, I'm just hanging out here in the sewer, dressed up like Batman like I always do every Tuesday night. Don't worry about me, Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh, jeez. <clears throat> so let's, anyway. I was ninth- going to say, let's, <laughs> let's throw back into it. 1982, Disney opens Epcot uh, and uh, world's first permanent official artificial heart transplant. Um, which saves a guy's life for an extra 112 days. Um, cool stuff, but eh. 1983, yay! <laughs> the great video game crash. 1983, um, the initial proposal to develop technology to intercept incoming missiles, the Strategic Defense Initiative Program, or Star Wars, oh, is no. made by President Ronald Reagan. What a silly thing to do. What a silly thing to do. January 1st, the internet is born when ARPA Net, ARPANET, adopts TCP slash IP protocols, uh, which would allow data exchange over or among a network of different models of computers. The next day, Mount Kilua, Hawaii's youngest volcano, begins Pu'u, oh no, <laughs> Pu'u oh, oh. Um, I don't know how to say the O's, uh, but it's an eruption, which 
will not stop spewing lava fountains and it flows until 19 or until 1982 2018 which is the longest and most voluminous outpouring of lava from the volcano's rift zone in february after 11 years and 256 episodes mash the u.s television series set during the korean war ends watched by more than 106 million people and still watched today by my father (laughs) that and andy griffith are the two things he's just constantly watching andy griffith too yep uh spielberg's third entry in the star oh spielberg steven spielberg what about him what do you do what old stevie spielberg do this time What? Why am I so confused about this? What happened? Um. You're you're worrying me. Well, I'm just I'm genuinely confused. I. <laughs> What's going on? So, the the thing says here. Uh well. Spielberg's third entry in the Star Wars trilogy, Return of the Jedi, opens in theaters. Wait a minute. And I'm like, uh, <clears throat> no. I, mean, I don't know. Lucas had different people directing those movies. Well, he did, and he had approached Steven Spielberg, but Steven Spielberg couldn't do it. Yeah, he was like, I, I can't do that. He was unable to do so because Lucas had left the Directors Guild of America, and they basically blackballed him and said no directors are allowed to come to you. Or you're not allowed to go to directors. Um, Lucas invited Spielberg to mess around or to play with, according to uh, Lucas, um, the Revenge of the Sith Mustafar duel and Yoda's duel with the Emperor. Um, But like, you know, clearly Return of the Jedi was not Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, anyways, that just took me aback, and I had to research. I'm like, why is Spielberg here? Like, Although what's I will the name of say, that? Return of the Jedi is probably the most Steven Spielbergy out of the Star Wars movies because it's like very just like for kids. Look at the Ewoks. <laughs> Look at the little song at the end, the, the Yub Nub little song. Yep, Nub. It's yeah. very like. Because Return of the Jedi, I, I liked Return of the Jedi a lot when I was little, but like, the more I think about it now, it's just like, man. Some parts of it are kind of not as good as the other ones. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad because that that movie will always be near and dear to my heart, Return of the Jedi. But it's not. But it like, it's a silly movie. It is. I. I actually don't really like any Star Wars movies. I think they're all pretty bad movies. I just really love the stories yeah. that come from them and the character lines and the characters and like everything about Star Wars I love except for the movies. I like the old ones and I like the old special effects, but you can't watch them through normal means. 
So you have to go through some weird thing to download them <laughs> and have them whatever. And I, it's like, I shouldn't have to go through so much effort just to see what these movies looked like when they were released. And I find that to be very frustrating to me. Yeah. It's I like, I just want to watch them. I like, because I love practical effects. Because I like them because they're tangible and they kind of look more real depending on how good they're done. But like, you just can't find them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, I liked, I, I especially like the way Hoth looks before um, the special effects were added in because we still have, uh, my parents still have the, D, uh, the DVDs of before Lucas came in and tried to fix things because um, he was like... Like the ones with like the laser disc transfer transfers on them? Yeah. Man, we shouldn't have to deal with that. <laughs> Crappy laser disc transfers. We gotta have them on Blu-ray. <laughs> the... I don't know. Star Wars, I liked... I liked Hoth a lot. And I liked the final duel with Vader in... Um, in, uh, in, in Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I like the one in Return of the Jedi. I like his green lightsaber. Well, that's the most memorable moment of Return of the Jedi is finally that amalgamation of Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and the Emperor, and everything else about Return of the Jedi. I don't even remember how the movie begins. Like, I just remember it's when, Endor. It's when uh, Luke goes to Jabba's palace. To go get oh, Han Solo. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a okay. really good. That's also a really good scene. Boba Fett, where? Yeah, and he, <laughs> that whole like beginning part with Jabba's palace, and then they're in the desert on the, with the, where the what the hell is that thing called? The Sarlacc. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the Sarlacc pit, and then Boba Fett's like, oh man, Boba Fett's the most dangerous bounty hunter in the galaxy, <laughs> and he gets wasted. Well, so. George Lucas goes back and he's like, "Yeah, well, I wanted to, uh, I, I I wanted to make Boba Fett a really mysterious character with this background that nobody knows, and you know he successfully did that, and then he knocked him out like that, and everyone was like, "Wow, a really cool character that we're all really interested in, and there's so much like fan concepts about it, they and it's just what they should have <laughs> done was they should have had." Now, I just came up with this, but it might be better than what they did with Boba Fett. Is they get away after they get Han Solo. And then the rest of the movie is them doing whatever they're doing with the Empire. But Boba Fett's still trying to get Han Solo. So, like, they're dealing with that. That would have been some really interesting conflict because they have to deal with the Empire trying to do their empire stuff on Endor, but meanwhile, Boba Fett and some bounty hunters are tracking them and trying to hunt them at the same time. And Luke Skywalker's trying to fight his dad and the Emperor. I mean, I feel like Boba Fett is Captain Phasma, or Captain Phasma is Boba Fett, in the sense of they were both characters that could have been really amazing and were instead so chumped and terrible that you're like, why do they exist? Why did they exist? Oh, the new Star Wars movies are just a joke, man. Well, so I had this wonderful. I didn't even see the last one. Like no, the you're la- not missing anything. <laughs> I did. I just was like, I saw the Last Jedi. I saw the other one. And I was just like, dude, 
I just, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Yeah, so with them, the, and, and this is controversial, the stories that they were trying to tell, I had a very long debate, which changed my mind about the new trilogy. Where they were just trying to do the old trilogy all over again? Well, so the stories that they had lined up for the characters are really amazing. Like the concept of, and just forget about the movies entirely, the concept of this girl who is lost and figures out, and this is just the original trilogy, but it, it's, it's still a good story. This girl who is lost and knows nothing about her life ends up stepping into this role of a good person. And then she learns that evil is a part of her life and that probably she will end up falling to evil at some point in her life and thus actively fights against it. It's yeah. the Luke Skywalker story, yeah. but it's a it's a genuinely good story. And it's a great twist knowing that like no matter what But it's the same thing as Luke Skywalker. Exactly. That's why it's a good story. Um, but more importantly, I think the better story here is, and I, I don't know anyone who doesn't agree with me on this, Finn should have been the main character. Yeah. He was like, he is a stormtrooper. He, he was the audience character. He was like the straight man. Because he was just like, it's like, what is all this Jedi stuff? I'm just, I was just working here and I'm just like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. <laughs> well, like his storyline is stormtrooper who leaves the order but is still hunted down by Captain Phasma, still hunted down by these people in charge who want to make an example of him yeah. for leaving the order. He really should have been the main character. Yeah, and, and his destiny ends up becoming getting the lightsaber and rejecting it, and instead Ray getting the lightsaber and rejecting his destiny but eventually, in the second movie, he is able to overpower Phasma and become, you know, the antithesis of the stormtrooper that he once was. And eventually, in the third movie... He becomes the BAMF. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's one way to put it. But in the third movie, he, be he becomes a Jedi. He finally accepts the lightsaber, and then he talks about his Force powers and finally learns to use them and it's another coming of age types well not necessarily coming of age but like coming a power story where finally that evil that had been haunting him for two movies he was able to overthrow but now he's not perfect because he stepped into the role of a jedi that's an amazing story and that's an that amazing is. story to tell it was not told well at all. No. And uh, like because they want they wanted it to ugh. be like the old ones so bad instead of just trying to do their own thing. They had the bare bones. Like Disney, give me a contract right now. I will go through the sequels, I will fix them, and I will make even the old fans enjoy the stories that have been told. It's just the stories the bare concept of these characters are really good stories because like a lot of the story see like george lucas and whoever else wrote the movies the original ones they base them on a lot of different movies like westerns samurai films and other stuff like that and they just brought them together into this weird crazy space opera thing 
And it's just like the reason, and it's like old stories and old like kind of storytelling traditions that are just brought into a new context. And that's what's so great about them because it's just lightning in a bottle. It's like, because <laughs> when Star Wars came out, it was freaking insane, man. All these toys, all this like commercialism about around it. It was just like people just did, like it just blew people's minds. And it was, it was insane. It was just this whole, it was like a, I'd liken it to like Beatlemania in the '60s, just like in terms of just this 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 phenomenon that just swept the world and just took everybody's imagination in that kind of way. But like, you can't do that again. Even <laughs> Luke, even George Lucas tried to do it again in the in like the late '90s and early 2000s, and it and that didn't work. People hated it. Although yeah. Revenge of the Sith is, a lot of people say that's like really great and it's like oh awesome. They're just talking about the end. I was gonna say everything about Revenge of the Sith is about every positive thing about Revenge of the Sith is the end of the movie. One exception, the opening. The opening space battle is amazing. Like it's just it's so good. It so actively shows what I felt like a space battle between massive ships and a whole bunch of fighters would look like. Yeah, it, it is like, very fast-paced. It grabs the tension of it. It's so good. And the music, it just it starts off with Coruscant, and you see it burning, and the ships are, like, sliding into view, and it's just the drums, the boom, boom, brrr, boom, boom. And then it goes off into the uh, Republic March, The um, and, and it just it is such an amazing opening to a mediocre movie that has a really great ending also like the fights the ending, are amazing yeah the fight at the end is actually it's really awesome Ugh, it's just it's everything here's the thing give me star wars uh, i'm just i'm just saying it now give me star wars give i will go back through the original Disney. trilogy and make anakin's story more interesting because the issue is who's the main character is it anakin skywalker or is it obi-wan because clearly they, I don't think it's they, Obi-Wan. <laughs> they didn't really know. They didn't. I don't, they did not know. Because the first movie is all about Obi-Wan and Liam Neeson, a Qui-Gon. And, like, clearly Obi-Wan is the got, main character of that first tiny movie. Little, you got tiny little Anakin just kind of running around in the background. With, yeah, exactly. He has no purpose. He has no me, point. Now, if you have Star now let's say I'm Disney and I give you Star Wars. I want to know one thing. Are you getting rid of Jar Jar Binks? Here's the thing. Jar Jar has a really amazing story in the novels. I don't think he's a good character in the movies, but I can fix that. Like, <laughs> that's one of the things is Jar Jar's ending in Return of the Jedi is so sad. In Return of the Jedi? Uh-huh. Jar Jar is not in Return of the Jedi. The novelization. Uh, One of the novelizations that came out was... What's he doing there? So this is what makes his story amazing. He is somebody who is happy-go-lucky, enjoying his life. Now, he shouldn't be put in there as the comedic relief, or if he is, like, very minimal. But his story is so good because he starts as this happy-go-lucky person and becomes somebody powerful, but he doesn't understand the politics of the world. So when he steps into the role of politician... That's where he single-handedly plays into Palpatine, and Palpatine becomes the Emperor because of Jar Jar's vote 
in the Senate. So it's this really amazing story of somebody who doesn't understand the world around him but loves it and then accidentally destroys the galaxy. And by the time Return of the Jedi comes around, when they're celebrating, um, you know, they're, they're celebrating the final credits, there's something in the novelization that talks about Naboo because that was Palpatine's homeworld and they were celebrating because he was dead. Um, and in the novelization, it talks about this guy who was basically Jar Jar's story. Um, they don't say his name, but you can infer it's Jar Jar. Um, and it's this man who was still trying to bring joy and happiness to people, even though he had this burden his entire life knowing that he was the one who ruined the galaxy so he tries to like still clown and be a happy guy and like make and the kids laugh and everyone's just like get out of here exactly and even the kids hate him at that point so while <laughs> oh everyone is God. celebrating and having a great time that the emperor is finally dead and the empire has fallen jar jar is still kicked and beaten for his naivete in his youth and that's what makes like his story so good and compelling because he's this young guy who loves the world and the world hates him for it. It's just, it's a good story. And I could tell that story so well. If you give me literally episodes one through nine and tell me rewrite them in a way that brings power to all of these plot points, to all of these characters, I will do so happily because the... One, episodes are although one thing is for sure the one in in the force awakens when you when like kylo ren comes on screen it's like ooh, this guy is kind of cool he's got a cool lightsaber <laughs> but they show his face way too early they show it way too early man and he's just like oh he's just some dude it's like well that's lame what so, they should have done is wait for him to meet han solo and then he's like and han solo's like i want to see my son he takes his helmet off. That should be like, oh my that god! That would have been a good reveal. Yeah. Well, Han Solo's character arc is like is really good, but done really poorly. Um, the, Han Solo's awesome. I was always a Luke kind of guy, you know. Han Solo like, always took the back burner from me. I don't know. I don't remember who my favorite was when I was little. I I couldn't really. Honestly, my favorite was Darth Vader. Well, because he's dark. Because <laughs> he's a bad guy. I like Tarkin a lot now. After reading all the novels, I well, well that's because he's Peter Cushing. He was Doctor Frankenstein in the fifties. <laughs> um, so the one thing about the sequel trilogy, like I said, I would have made Finn the main character, but if I had the episodes, if I was rewriting the episodes, episode one through nine in order, and re-releasing them in a way, the or the trilogies. All three of them. The entire series is about the Skywalkers. Now, the broader themes are Force and Destiny and Good versus Evil, and that's where your offshoot stuff comes in. But when it comes to it, the first three movies are about Anakin and his start as a good person and his fall to a bad person. And the next three movies are Luke Skywalker, and the final three movies are Kylo Ren because he is a Skywalker. Is. So the idea of it's just the Anakin story over and over again, except the Anakin story is you go from good to evil 
and then Luke Skywalker story is from good to temptation and almost evil, and then the Kylo Ren story yeah, is like... from evil to good. So it reverses the Anakin story, and you start off with that you could being have been the bad so guys. So cool, and they had Snoke in there for no reason. I don't know who. Yeah, he was. I, I still can't figure out like was what I, the. I really thought he was supposed to be Darth Plagueis. I, I really thought he was, and then he just wasn't, and then they killed him, and I was like, well, what was he for? <laughs> so, it's like, I, I, I still can't figure it out. He, I mean, honestly, when J.J. Abrams, like, he does his little mystery box, he's like, ooh, look at this. You don't know what this is, blah, blah, blah. It's a mystery box. But that's cool for, like, if you're making your own thing, but then they had some other guy come in and do, like, The Last Jedi, and he's like, what do I do with all this crap? So he just kills <laughs> Snoke because he's like, I don't know what to do with him. Let's kill him. Well, and then in, um, I can't even remember what the last one's called. <laughs> what, I don't either. Whatever the third one was called, um, was uh, the, Rise of Skywalker. That's what it was. Um, which doesn't entirely make sense. But, you know, I'd fix the stories. Uh, they show Snoke, like a million little Snokes in test tubes. And they're like, Emperor Palpatine was cloning them and creating him the whole time. And you're what? like, but, why? Yeah, exactly. Why? What is the point of him? Why and I'm him? Sure, why him specifically? I don't know. I'm like, sure I, the novelizations explain it a lot better, or the comics explain I it. I mean, like, there's that, but like, I feel like if you have to read the book in order to get a better idea of the story of the movie, you didn't. You didn't try hard enough making the movie, you know what I mean? Well, it's funny because Star Wars is alive because of the books and because of the media and because of, like, everything about it is the reason Star Wars is alive, not actually the movies. Like, honestly, though it was really popular, it would have been a fad and it would have just died out really quickly because it was... It's a good story, but, like, when I think of movies from the 80s, and well, from the 70s and 80s, I put almost every movie above Star Wars Yeah, the Star Wars series. A lot of the 80s, well, the 80s was not the best time for movies. <laughs> that in the 50s, because I remember I saw an interview with Quentin Tarantino, and he's talking about, it's like, yeah, it's like the 50s and the 80s, those like the worst times, the worst decades for movies. Well, I mean. But he's right. I don't entirely agree with him, because there's a lot of movies from the 80s that I love. But there are a lot of movies. But you can you can watch a movie from the '80s, and you know that it was made in the '80s. Like you watch The Goonies, that movie is so clearly made in the '80s. E.T., even like Purple Rain and Dirty Dancing, blah blah blah. The John Hughes movies, like Breakfast Club, you know that they're made in the '80s. I can agree with that. That you know it's made in the '80s. Like they're but very the d- '80s. I think was probably the best time for movies. Because, I mean, I'm looking at a list right now. There was a lot of junk that came out, just like the 50s, that was just genuinely bad. But when it comes to the 80s, Outsiders, Dune, Batman, Die Hard, War Games, Beetlejuice, uh, Flash Gordon had a movie in 1980. I didn't know that. That's the one with Queen. That is the one with Queen. That (laughs) That movie is... I have a very strange relationship with this movie. Because it's like, it's not, it's very corny. But visually, Flash Gordon is awesome. It it's such a pretty movie to look at. 
because there's just like all this like the set design is really colorful and the costumes are really like interesting it's not the greatest plot it's kind of like what what is going on sometimes but it's very cool to look at so you also have gremlins ghostbusters labyrinth Spaceballs, Labyrinth, Once Upon a Time in America, The Shining, Never Ending Story, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Cujo, uh, there was a live action Beauty and the Beast, yikes, Amunga, uh, Breakfast Club, and really all the John Hughes stuff, Scrooged, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a Vacation Series, Goonies, 1984, Purple Rain, Purple Rain, Little Shop of Horrors, Predator. There's so many airplane, Heathers, um, Stand By Me, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Amadeus, Land Before Time. Amadeus is really good. I love Amadeus. Scarface. I have not seen Scarface, but the music that I've seen in it is kind of bad. <laughs> the music, it's like I remember like I think I don't know what it was. It was like the director like whoever made Scarf is like, yes, I made a great movie. And it's like, you know, I'm really proud of it. And then he's like, and then there's Scorsese. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, Scorsese movies have like really good like music. The music is like on point and the movies are on point because it's Martin Scorsese. But that's the one thing that Scarface has wrong. It's the music. It's really, it is really dated. But that's, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. Looking at all these movies, there is a lot of just genuinely bad stuff. There but then is. you also have Superman. There is a lot of there's a lot of trashy movies. Just really, just uh, I'm so garbage. conflicted because like a lot of these movies are some of my favorite movies on here. Um, oh, I know, man. Uh, you know, Wrath of Khan came out in '82. Uh, of course, Howard the Duck. <laughs> Um, don't no Indiana Jones the <laughs> Temple of Doom don't, Mad Max don't, don't just don't just throw Howard the Duck in there <laughs> oh yeah I'll just throw you know you can't do that Back to the Future series no that's a good one I gotta say though the best one out of all of those I think the second one might be my favorite I don't know why I really like the second one I the thing was 1982. Yeah, I thought that was 79. No, no, it was 1982. Um, well, I agree. I think Back to the Future Two is more enticing than the first or third one. I hated the third one so much. Um, I don't remember a lot of the third one. Well, exactly. my favorite part of the third. <laughs> the only thing I really remember from the third one is the part at the end when they're on. They're standing on the train, and the kid like he, he like waves, and, like points at his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it like you know it, you know what i'm talking about have you seen that i have not it's it's because like they're standing on the train like doc is like talking it's like i'm it's like you know i found my place and blah 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 and this kid like one of the little kids is like he's got his hand down by his crotch and like he like waves like beckons over and he points right at his his me- his unit Oh, but it's really just like well, so, it's one of those things where it's just like, why did he do that, and why did they not like see that and try to reshoot it? Like nobody, no one noticed that. So the two theories are: this is a sign towards Jennifer, 
<laughs> I think that's what. <laughs> and the other one is that the kid just needed to pee, so he was in, <laughs> he was indicating to the director or whoever was on set watching them that he was like, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I think I want. I, I'm pretty sure it was Jennifer. There's no way that it was because he had to pee because he's staring right at her when he's doing that like he's looking at jennifer well maybe it means like he's trying to tell her i gotta go no he's he's telling well he's telling her he's gotta go something but it ain't pee i'll tell you what (laughs) interesting what a strange that man that kid's a little player i'll tell you what (laughs) (laughs) um so to finish off uh because we're you know two hours in at this point uh, 1984, you've got Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Uh, Navy mm-hmm. Captain Bruce McCandless uh, and Army Lieutenant Colonel Robert Stewart uh, become the first astronauts to fly free of a spacecraft. Um, you have the Louisiana World Expo- Exposition of 1984. Uh, it opens along the Mississippi River. Just, oh, excuse me. Um, Democratic candidate. Uh, Walter Walter Mondale um, selects Geraldine Ferraro as his vice president running mate, the first woman chosen for that position. Um, the the opening ceremony of the Los Angeles Olympic Games is held. Um, the games run by Peter Uberoth uh, prove a financial and U.S. success, despite a retaliatory boycott by most allies of the Soviet Union due to the U.S. boycott of the Moscow Olympics in 1980. Um, and Ronald Reagan wins re-election over Walter F. Mondale. Not a surprise there. Uh, Reagan's second map was pretty much the same as the first map, though a little bit more blue. Um, AT&T, known as the Bell System, is broken up into a series of regional telephone companies, ending its monopoly. Um, pop singer Michael Jackson moonwalks for the first time at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. Bruce Springsteen releases his album Born in the USA. That song is so stupid. I I hate that song. I hate it with a passion that I meme it so much. Like, born in the USA. I was born in the USA. And it is born in the USA. Because that's the only lyric I know. Like, that's it. Born in the USA. That, it's, it's, there's two people in the 80s that really get my goat, and that's Bruce Springsteen and John Mellencamp. Oh. Small Town by John Mellencamp. Small One Town. Of, I was born in a small town. town. It's a every, small town, small town, small every town. Every line has small town. I, I hate that one, too. And what other, like, I think there's one song by him that's like okay and i can't remember what it is because i just can only think of the bad songs pink houses <laughs> ain't that america you and me i'm like shut up i'm like <laughs> i hear it at work all the time it's like that one song by like eddie money like the take me home tonight oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh Ugh. there's like there there's one thing about the 80s and like the pop music I either love it or it just angers me. <laughs> it just makes me mad. So Steve Jobs introduces the first Mac um, in January of 1984. 
Um, Madonna performs like a virgin at the first ever MTV Awards. Um, September 20th, you get the Cosby Show. Uh, there's a poison gas leak at Union Carbide plant in India. Oh, no. Um, two Indian or two bodyguards assassinate Indian Prime Minister uh, Indira Gandhi. If you remember, Indira Gandhi was uh, the first female prime minister um, of India and was like extremely progressive because I think she started in the 60s when she became prime minister, something like that. Uh, but yikes, uh, she didn't make it. Um, and then... Yeah, the rest of this is not that exciting. I should have ended it this way. Ronald Reagan becomes president. I guess I will end it that way. Reagan, Ronald Reagan gets reelected in 1984. Reagan Bush 84. That's right. Um, so there you go. There's your uh, there's your history for the week. Yes. The, the 1980s with a very long divergence into Star Wars. MTV. 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 You know, there's one thing I, I think we forgot to mention in the late 70s one was the first music video aired on MTV. And you know what it was? Video killed the radio star. That's right. That was the 80s. It was 1979. Like, nope. No, it was. Uh, pretty sure Wasn't it? Wasn't it? 82, 83. No, no way. Because they, they, they start out, like, really in the late 70s, and they had, like, they had, like, Devo when they were starting out. They had all sorts of people. I don't know. I'll, uh, have to, I'll have to get back on that. I might be wrong. I could be very incorrect. Video killed the radio star, MTV. That was... Was it 79 or, like, 80? Was it... 1986. What? That's not right. No, that can't be. What? So I remember I saw the video, and the video's like, it's really weird. Because there's just a bunch of the people just like in a white room. And they, you can kind of tell that they're like, they're not really sure what they're doing for the video. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be kind of about how like the blandness, um, of what radio and all that had become and how video came in and gave color. And then video got bland because everybody was like, this is gross, MTV's bad. Yeah, well, MTV's bad. <laughs> it is. They they had Beavis and Butthead, though. Did they? They did. That's what it was on MTV. Huh. That was probably the best part of MTV. <laughs> I love I, I love Beavis and Butthead. Oh, there was a guy I used to work with at Chick-fil-A who was obsessed with it. And he was like 70 years old. And he was a cool guy. He was nice and he was kind. I was just like, it was very strange to me that that was his. I mean, because he was probably in his 30s or 40s at the time. You said he was like, it was. <laughs> you said he was like in his 70s. No, no, now. Oh. Not when it first came out. I mean, he probably wouldn't be alive he'd be 120 years old and he probably wouldn't be working at chick-fil-a with some random 20 year old guy (laughs) (laughs) i was about to say i was like it's like wait a minute did 30 years pass since you worked with him (laughs) (laughs) you say to the 22 year old oh geez 
Uh, all righty. So uh, you've been listening to 97.5 WOBN, The Wild Card. This is Retrospection Radio Hour. <laughs> and uh, I have been Noah. And I have been Nate. We're going to go ahead and get right back into it. We'll see you on the other side of the 80s when we flip the record over. <laughs>